Hi, I'm Jay Edidin. And I'm Miles Stokes. And you're listening to Hawk Talk. Where we talk hawks. Ordinarily, this time slot would be filled by a Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, a weekly podcast all about the ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera. But this is a skip week, or it would be, so we're doing Hawk Talk, where we talk about things that are not particularly X-Men. We did it for a while during the first couple millennia of the pandemic, we stopped for a while, and then when we did our April 2022 fundraiser for Equality Florida, having people choose the topic for an episode of Hawk Talk was one of the uh, rewards we offered for certain levels of donation. And so now we're doing it again. So... What are this week's Hawks, and who chose them for us? Well, this week's Hawks were chosen by Andy Bartholomew. Uh, Thanks, Andy, for your donation and for choosing this topic that we are excited about, because the topic is Doonesbury. Jay, for the uninitiated, what is Doonesbury? My heart. My heart is what it is. No, Doonesbury is a daily comic strip by Gary Trudeau. It's been running since, I believe, the early 70s or late 60s. Um, with with only occasional hiatuses, it's fantastic, and it was it was my first soap opera before X Men. Yeah, uh, Doonesbury. I don't know. I first remember reading it in the Daily Funnies. Like I loved newspaper comics when I was a kid. I would read them religiously, even the ones I didn't understand, like Rex Morgan, MD. Likewise, except for Prince Valiant. I always wanted to like Prince Valiant. Like the art was so cool, and I loved swords and stuff, but. It was very dry, as opposed to the Saturday morning cartoon based on Prince Valiant, which I remember being great, but I don't want to revisit it, because it probably wasn't. But today, we're here to talk about one of those comics in particular. Yes, that is Doonesbury, which I think, when I was a kid, definitely fell into the category of, I don't think I get this, but I grew to love. Sorry for the sounds, by the way. The upstairs neighbors sometimes use their bathroom or run water. Yes, Hawk Talk is unplanned and unedited, so you get what you get. It's like you're sitting here in our respective uh, apartment-slash-house with us. Yeah, if you're normally an Explain the X-Men listener and this is your first Hawk Talk, you should know that we don't prepare for these at all. Part of part of the conceit is we just go in completely cold, nothing gets edited, you, you just sort of get it in its raw form, um, and we try. And also this week, there's the added bonus um, that I am I am really amazingly tired. I am I am in the middle of writing multiple term papers because it's that time of year, and uh, sleeping is not so much happening. So so I'm I'm going to be extra delightful today. Oh, it'll be great. We're talking about a thing we love. So yeah, Doonesbury. Uh, I guess one of the reasons it was not initially approachable to me, at least, was that it is. It's not, like, entirely a political comic. It's not just political cartoons, but there's a strong political element to it. Right. To the point that for a while, I think at least our hometown paper switched it to its um, political strips page. Uh, yeah, the opinion, like, and politics page. Uh, that was also where Mallard Fillmore, which was a truly god-awful, super conservative comic strip, was. Man, fuck Mallard Fillmore. Yeah, Mallard Fillmore, if you're listening, fuck right off. Stupid. So anyway, Doonesbury is great. Um, Doonesbury, (laughs) in case you haven't worked this out from our context, has has significant left bias. Um, But interestingly, it's it's also become a really, really popular comic strip um, in the military, because one of the characters is now, I think, former military, but um, Gary Trudeau did a lot of interviews and a lot of research and apparently did, did a very, very good and fairly unflinching portrayal of, of a lot of sort of ground-level military issues when, when BD was, was in the Army. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess just to dive into the characters, there were a bunch of different characters, and so BD was one of the characters. Yeah, he was one of the ones there from the start. Like he, he was, was one of the uh, first two characters because the first strip is just Mike and BD. Uh, yeah, I think they were college roommates. Like yes. Mike was sort of an attempted lady, attempted ladies' man in college. Mike and Doonesbury, BD. the the eponymous um sort of protagonist. I mean, there's there's a lot of characters who are kind of protagonists. Uh, yeah, exactly. And BD was his jock football player roommate, and so their kind of odd roommate couple dynamic was one of the first elements of the comic. Um, the comic, actually, I found out, was initially called Bull Tales, yeah. uh, which was a like a, on, on, in the campus the newspaper, I think. Yeah. Um, it, Yale later got genericized when it became a newspaper comic. But You mean um, Dunsbury got genericized? Well, Yale got genericized into not being Yale. Oh, anymore. into Walden, into into Walden College. Um, Walden exactly. College is is delightful, and Walden College is is where it starts, and also leads to one of my favorite eras of Doonesbury ever, which is the Walden Puddle years. But I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, all right. Yeah, uh, you were talking about BD, and honestly, I think BD is a great kind of window into what Doonesbury is, because what he's been in the comic has really changed, as the comic itself has really changed. Yeah, the characters in Doonesbury age. I don't know if quite in real, not not quite in real time. I think, but um, they they do age significantly over time, and there are, there are, there are characters that will actually BD and Mike both have have adult kids who have kids of their at least one of whom has has kids of their own now. Um, but BD, I'm trying to think of details. So BD is is a Nixon conservative. Um, for a long, long, long time, for like forty years, he was never pictured not wearing a helmet. At first, it was his football helmet, and then it was an army helmet. Um, and, and he joined the army. He, jo- he volunteered for the Vietnam War to get out of writing a term paper. So Jay, you have options right now. I'm just saying. Well, I, I remember when I was running the writing center, I really wanted to make an, make a flyer for the writing center based around one of those strips. There's just going to be like, <laughs> it's someone saying, I can't be, there's some panel where someone was like, I can't believe you've, you're going to Vietnam to get out of writing a term paper. And it was then it was going to be like, good thing you've got the writing center. But um, (laughs) I I was vetoed because it was apparently in somewhat questionable taste. I I suppose. Alas. Uh, BD (laughs) is is forever partnered with Boopsie, who is originally sort of a fairly generic cheerleader who who develops more and more personality and a career as as like a a degrade actress for some time. Um, she's very into new age stuff. I, Boopsie is delightful. Um, yeah, I think she they also, had their first big breakup because she volunteered for McGovern. Uh, yes, and, and she also occasionally channels her uh, past lives, including as like this bloodthirsty barbarian prince who yells all the time, and I respect that. Oh, yeah! God, that is a Boopsie thing. I My, my Doonesbury is centered in the old stuff because while I read it in newspapers uh, the summer before ninth grade when my mom and I were living in Houston... We lived right near this tiny bookstore that had all of the old paperback collections um, for, like, a buck. So Doonesbury was collected in these these little, like, trade size, not not trade what you think of when you think of a trade paperback in a comic, but trade, like, novel trade um, mm-hmm. size collections. And I have, I have, yeah, let me see, I, I pulled them all out, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them, which it doesn't even really scratch the surface of all there is. But um, are centered around around the early years, and specifically the Walden Puddle Commune, which was where Mike and BD both ended up living. Walden Puddle was was the commune that Mike and all Mike's friends lived at during their years at Walden. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it had a puddle, it had a spring-fed puddle. Uh, yes, you know 
instead of Walden Pond, it was Walden Puddle, because that was a, what, Thoreau mm-hmm. reference? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's so it's so charming, because that's the thing. Like, Doonesbury is known for being political, but like you said, Jay, it's very much a sort of good-natured, goofy, occasionally extremely surreal soap opera. Kind of like X-Men in that regard. Well, it's it's much less allegorically political when it's political. Um, there, there's a volume sitting on my desk right now called "In Search of Reagan's Brain." Ah, yes. But and and if you, I believe for a while on the website they had a list of the major the major controversies that had led to mass cancellations of it, a, a timeline over time. Hmm. Oh, there have been quite a few. There certainly have. So, so let's go through the the rest of the Walden Puddle batch. Right. Uh so. We'll come back to BD, because like I said, he sort of has changed as the, as the strip has, but we got to talk Zonker, especially in the, in the Walden Puddle years. He was always my favorite character when I was a kid. And Yeah, teenager. Zonker was your dude. Zonker, Zonker is a, a, a gentle freak. Mm-hmm. He's basically a stoner who is just very good-natured and not uh, terribly worldly and just wants everyone around him to have a good time and to smoke a lot of pot. And that's his entire deal. He's a very straightforward character, but goofy He lives a slightly magical life. He does live a slightly magical life, yeah. I mean, I remember, so many, many moons ago, uh, when you and I were planning a wedding, that, as I recall, that was in the, um... Oh, no, that was... I'm thinking I'm I'm mixing up two different stories here because the uh the wedding card we sent out was actually about Rick and It was Joni and right? Rick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but no, when we lived together, we had a, the panel of um somebody getting home from a road trip. That was Mike and uh Mike and Mark was it? Mike and Mark at the end of their road trip to find America and Joni. Right. Uh yes, they they, they get back. Cuz that was how and- they met her. Exactly. And uh, they just are asking each other, home? Home, as Joni's trying to figure out what's up. And then Zonker just, like, throws himself into their collective arms, grinning madly. And, and uh, saying, hey, wackity doo 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 Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I, for us, I think, that level of bizarre community, like, of Walden Puddle and of Zonker's role in Walden Puddle in particular, was kind of like what we wanted in our house, among our group of friends, like... It was just, it was perfect. I mean, that's really the dream, isn't it? To have plants that have names and talk back to you? Exactly, yes. Uh, and so, I don't know. who else was at Walden? Bernie was at Walden. Uh, yeah, Bernie was one of the characters, like Nicole and a couple others, that was there early in the strip and then just sort of drifted off. Like, No, if, are you kidding? Bernie was a big deal later. Well, he came Bernie back. became a software magnet. But he was one of the, like, main, main characters initially, at the very, very start. He was, yeah. Um... And yeah, so it, it actually, in that regard, it reminds me of a whole lot of successful webcomics that will start with a certain premise and a certain set of characters and then just gradually drift as the creators kind of find what they want to do with it, as the audience, you know, connects with certain things and doesn't connect with other things. In a weird way, it actually reminds me a lot of, uh, do you know the webcomic Questionable Content? Sure. Yeah, like in that regard, which has changed I've a written, great do I know, deal. I've written guest strips for that. <laughs> Shit, that's true, you have. <laughs> Well, okay, so obviously you do, but, um, yes, it, uh, I I don't know, and I just, I love that, I love how in this super long-running comic strip, or, you know, comics do the same thing, you'll see things just shift so, so far from where they were in the start, and so if you go back to the early, early stuff, because like you, Jay, I came in with that, uh, you know, Finding America in Search of Reagan's Brain, Walden Puddle era, if you go back to the really early stuff, it's just fucking weird. Like, it doesn't even feel like the same comic. So... Early on in the show, we we talked about um, 
Doonesbury is not not that early on in the show, but at some point in the show, we talked about Doonesbury as sort of a mental antecedent to X Men for me. And mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, for my birthday, um, Max Carlton, who does Waiting for the Trade, redrew a Doonesbury strip for me with X Factor um, subbed in, and it's amazing. I'll see if I can dig it up. Um, but right. it's, it's from one of my favorite plot lines in the Walden Puddle years, which is when Zonker um, takes takes this journalist, this this very very gullible journalist, Roland Headley Jr. And um, convinces him that they are they are a a sin soaked drug fueled twenty four seven orgy, which mm-hmm. they are absolutely not. And and, <laughs> and he um, just eats it right. And Roland up. just runs with it and doesn't doesn't think to you know fact check anything. And so, what characters again were were used in Max's version of that to substitute? Oh, it was it was, it was original X Factor. Mm-hmm. Who is the reporter figure again? I do not remember. Ah, oh, but it's great, and it it fits uh, surprisingly well with those characters. It really does. I feel like they're similarly scampish at times. Uh, yes, scampish. That's a good word. But Doonesbury, I mean, it's not just like the college crew, Mike and Mark and BD and Boopsy and and uh, everybody. Like, Nicole Zonker. It, yeah, it has a very very wide cast, like uh, of all like people who are older and younger and in different walks of life, and one of them is basically Hunter S. Thompson. And Mark. We and Mark. Getting Mark. We got to talk Mark about Mark. Mark is one of my favorite. Mark is my favorite of the OGs. He's great. And he also uh, was the first, like, central character to come out as gay, which was, I think, one of the many things that got the strip dropped in various places. Not the first character in the strip to come out as gay, but the first, like, central, central one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and he and he and Mike were best friends for a very long time, and they went on the road trip that we keep on referencing. This is them going to find America. And while they may or may not have found America, what they did find is one of the best running characters in the strip um, was a housewife who was hitchhiking away from home. Um, it's a woman named Joan Caucus. And yes. Joni became first one of the central characters at Walden Puddle because they just brought her home and she moved in with them for a while um and then and then sort of struck off on her own and, and became became sort of one of one of the many trails that the strip followed and popped back to periodically i do love early Joni though uh working with kids and just uh feminist all of them effortlessly yes i so so Joni has been a housewife for a long time when when Mike and Mark pick her up and is trying to find a way back into the workforce and gets a job teaching preschool and, and does this for a couple of years and then goes to law school. And I believe I'm way behind. Last I checked, she was working for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, well, so these days, to skip ahead a bit, these days, Doonesbury is... It's not completely on hiatus, but it's only doing Sunday strips. That's actually been the case for the last eight years, uh, mm-hmm. because Gary Trudeau has been working on a TV show called, I think, Alpha House. Um, and so we just get Sunday strips, which means we get occasional peeks into the characters' lives, but they are also often just referencing political events that are going on since we've been living in a political hellscape in the U.S. for quite a number of years at this point. So yeah. We've seen a little bit about what the various characters are up to, but not terribly much. Man, it's 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 weird. Like I think of them like friends I've fallen out of touch with uh, to a great extent. Yeah, no, I, I I totally hear you on that one. Yeah, like I wonder if Rick's still blogging. Mm-hmm. Yep, good old Rick. Uh, Rick is is Joan Caucus's. Uh, second husband, Rick Redfern, who is is an actual journalist as compared to Roland Headley Jr., who is. 
Oh, Laurel Hudley Jr., I believe, has been working for Fox News for the last long period of time with all of the satire that that implies. Uh, yeah, I think Roland Headley is just about the only character in this strip that is actually a Trump fan, and uh, that is um, part of him being portrayed as utterly buffoonish. Like, even the conservative yes. characters in this strip, because the strip has a number of conservative and Republican characters in it. Mike was a Republican for a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, he met his now-wife Kim at a Steve Forbes rally, as I recall, talking about the flat tax back in the 90s. They've been reprinting during the they, weekdays. No, they were, she, was, she was working under him at the same tech company. Uh, yeah, but I think they got to know each other with the Steve Forbes thing. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and, um, you know, like you mentioned, Jay, BD uh, was was very conservative as well. And I appreciate that while the strip certainly does have a liberal slant, there's no questioning that, like, it still makes an effort to humanize a bunch of people with a bunch of different views, even if it's poking fun of them at some times. Like, BD is generally poked fun at. But going back to the thing you mentioned earlier— He's severely injured in, I think, uh, one of the Middle Eastern conflicts in the 90s and comes back in Afghanistan. Yeah, and he comes back having lost a leg. And that's the first time we ever see him without his helmet as he's recovering and being treated. And that was like a big deal. And that was the part where Mm -hmm. Gary Trudeau just did so much work with people who had had those experiences. And that went over really, really well with a lot of military readers. Yeah, um, yeah, I know Trudeau's actually the only cartoonist who's gotten um journalistic privileges abroad um with with um army abed army abeds and uh, base visits yeah so i mean you know your and my opinions about the military and such aside like that's pretty cool that impresses the hell out of me mm-hmm. uh but yeah so we've been talking about various characters about um you know them leaving walden puddle and such one thing I found out, uh, I know we don't do research, but I was still reading up in Dunesbury because I was curious and it was on my mind. Um, apparently, when the characters started aging, that was in the mid-80s after the Broadway musical where all the characters canonically graduated from college. Yep. I Have you seen that? I've seen clips of it. You can't actually, I haven't actually been able to find the whole thing online, but I've, I found a couple numbers from it. Okay. Yeah, there was that. There was an animated uh, half-hour special in, like, the 70s that um, apparently was genuinely excellent that I haven't seen either. Again, likewise. It's it's very weird explaining Doonesbury because I feel like when we were born, it was still— and when we were, like, fairly young but starting to read it, it was still kind of a pop culture phenomenon. Uh, it was, yeah. Like, I I didn't fully understand what was going on, partially because of the politics and partially because it was, like, about grown-up stuff that I just didn't get in some ways. Oh, I uh, made my parents explain the politics to me. I also cut out the chart of all the characters that Trudeau did as a Sunday strip once. <laughs> that is a good idea. It was very Yeah, helpful. this is, like, I'm not going to say it's quite X-Men level, but maybe, like, early 80s X-Men level. It's up there, and it's up there in terms of characters... You know, appearing once as babies and then coming back as significant figures. Kim, for instance. Uh, yes, the main... I, I, we call Mike Doonesbury the main character. The it's his name in the strip. He's not really the... Yeah. Um, but yes, his uh, second wife, we first met when she was a baby, when she was a refugee from uh, Vietnam. We met her and her adoptive parents. And then years and years and years and years and years later... She met Mike and they got together. The uh, age difference was indeed commented on and addressed so uh, they didn't just gloss over that mike's first wife was joan caucus jr the daughter of predictably joan caucus jj jj is yeah. is the worst but i love her 
Yeah, she's kind of delightfully terrible. Uh, yeah, she's a, uh, a, I guess an artist and large part of performance artist. Um, she ends up hooking up with, uh, a, an utter dirtbag named Zeke, where despite his mustache and ponytail, he is not necessarily a good guy. I mean, he's not like evil. He's just kind of a, kind of a douchebag. But you know, you know, we're talking about relationships, but the best romance in Doonesbury of all of them forever and ever and ever is, is, is I think Dick and Lacey. Dick and Lacey. I was I was going to bring them up if you didn't. So speaking of characters that are not part of that, you know, Walden College crew at all, I don't even remember how we met Dick and Lacey in the strip. I do. Um, so Joan's roommate when she was in law school was a woman named, named Ginny. And Ginny, for one of her term projects, decided to run for Congress. And her opponent was this sweet little old lady who ran every election cycle just sort of as a protest move named i'm blanking on Lacey's last name right now um, uh i don't remember her original last name it was davenport when she yeah married yeah, Dick, it's davenport, right? um named Lacey davenport and that was how we first met Lacey. um mm-hmm. and, and by extension dick who is, is her husband um so Lacey was 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 a congressional representative for a very 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 long time um, her husband, Dick, was an avid birder. They were very proper, they were very sweet, and they were very ridiculously, intensely in love. Yeah, and I always appreciated their dynamic. Like, Lacey was just, uh, she had strong opinions about many, many things and how things should be handled, and Dick was just sort of doting and adored her, and, like, it totally worked. Well, they both had pretty strong feelings, but Dick's were largely centered around birds. Mm-hmm. Which, and, which leads uh, to the title of one of the collections I've got on my desk right now, which is Do All Birders Have Bedroom Eyes? <laughs> yes. Uh, and yeah, I remember, uh, I, th- actually, I should go back and read this again. My um, One of my parents and one of my stepparents are like avid, avid birders these days themselves. Um, and I, I keep trying to fully understand. Uh, but yeah, that was actually how Dick died, right? I remember that was like a, a super memorable story arc. Yeah, he was he was bird watching, and he actually he saw his one of his lifeless birds and had a heart attack about when he did. Um, and it was it was really sad. And then when Lacey died, it's Doonesbury doesn't tend to go into to you know, existentialism a lot, but you do get a bit of Dick and Lacey in the afterlife, which is pretty lovely. It was adorable. Yeah. And it's just, you, you you come to care about these ridiculous characters so much, because it's a comedy strip, and it's a comic strip, so, like, the humor is very much panel, 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 you know? It's hard to get uh, the same level, or the same type, I should say, of depth with that that you would get with, like, an ongoing comic, like and like Marvel stuff. But at the same time, the characters are just so lovingly and consistently written that you can't help but be genuinely emotionally affected, like, when Dick Davenport dies, or... You know, when BD is recovering from this major injury and another character with a traumatic brain injury gets introduced and starts dating, like, Mike's daughter. And, like, it's—I like how grounded in the real world it is. Like, it's goofy, but it's also all the real shit that we all deal with. It's very human. It has a ton of heart. It it really does have, have a ton of heart. And that's something that it's hard to— it's hard to realize if you just, like, see it in your random newspaper, back when newspapers were more of a thing, um, just in a little one-off. Like, it's a strip that really rewards dedicated reading, and mm-hmm. I suspect that's something that appealed uh, to both of us, given, you know, what we do now. 
So you can read it online and you can subscribe to it online. I think you have to get a paid account to get the full archives. But also, if you go to used bookstores, those little little trade paperbacks are all over the place still. Yeah, and that's one of those things where, I mean, what you and I both did, we just kind of jumped in with whatever was around. And you're not going to get everything, but shit, that's how we jumped into X-Men as well. Like, I will forever remember that Kulan Goth issue where I thought I'd missed something and it turned out, no, it was just confusing. Yeah, and I think, you know, with with long-term story newspaper strips, again, I don't know how much kids these days get to have that same experience, but you just kind of dove in and read from where you were and whatever they published. And occasionally they do like reruns or have to drop in replacement strips that had nothing to do with what was going on. And you'd just be kind of baffled. And 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 then, you know, like Rex Morgan MD would punch someone. Rex Morgan shakes fist. And then Bill Watterson would parody them and it would just be phenomenal. <laughs> there was this weird like dialogue this very subtle referential dialogue between all the all the comic strips back in the day or at least a, a lot of the big ones it was well the ones with the it, same syndicate there still is uh king features right well there's so there's a bunch of king features there's a bunch of universal i don't know if there's there's probably another major syndicate that i'm forgetting the washington post syndicated for a long time but i don't know if they still are um but but syndicates will do like crossovers and and sometimes even work together to do stuff like and April Fool's people did. It's been a long tradition, like April Fool's cartoonists draw each other's comics, stuff like that. Oh man. I just want to have Kathy show up in Spider-Man or something. I don't know if they're in the same syndicate. She could probably take probably. them in a fight. Yeah, probably. I can find out real quick. Just a sec. Hey T <laughs> is Kathy, um, King features. No. They're not. Ah, damn. Well, perhaps in another reality where, where they are. Um, uh, funky Winkerbean is. That's the really depressing one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but he could fight Spider-Man, is my point. Okay, well, good. I, I hope he does. And then something depressing happens. That would fit Spider-Man, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, Doonesbury, it's, it's a strange thing. And it's, it's a strange thing to keep coming up in our podcast, but I think it just, it just became so special to us. Now, that was also something that we really have, like, bonded over over the course of, of knowing each other, like, even as far back as, as freaking being in school together. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were I – was, I was lending you those books as soon as I got back from Texas. Right. No, I remember because we were just starting to to get close and you were on that vacation in Texas and we were like writing mm-hmm. each other. I knew that and you were talking about those Doonesbury books. Yeah. And I think that was actually – that was actually part of what got me to – give them a closer look than I had in the past because I'd always like, I never really known what to make of Doonesbury. Like I've, like I've alluded to, like I thought it was cool and I liked it, but it was hard getting into it. But now, mm-hmm. now I was invested and it was totally worthwhile. And it was too. Oh God. It's such a great comic strip. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I think at this point, Doonesbury is, it's kind of been over for a long time in the way that it existed when it was no yeah. longer a daily strip with a strip with those kind of ongoing plot lines. Like it just became something else. I'm glad we still get the Sunday strips. I still read the reruns every day during the week, even though it's mm-hmm. stuff I've already read way back in the day, but it was a beautiful thing and it lasted for decades and, and decades. And it's just, it's just so nice getting to know characters over so long. So I'm trying to think of whether there's anyone central we've forgotten. There probably is. Uh, I mean, there probably is. Like we we talked a little about Kim, um, yeah. Mike's second wife, and I'm thinking is, like chronologically because I think we went through the Walden kids. I mean, we got to talk. We remember about Duke. Nicole He's, and Bernie. We did. Uh, Duke's the most well known character in the strip, probably. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Duke is Duke is the readers. Hunter Thompson character. He is he is yes. Zonker's uncle Duke. 
he is incredibly disreputable. He is on drugs basically all the time and hallucinating half the time because of it. He has a a doting assistant named Honey who he treats terribly and the strip manages to walk a fine line and like have it still be funny rather than terrible in part because she always you know things work out for her overall she's also Uh, a fairly horrible person i mean she's also a fairly horrible person but not as horrible as duke no one's as horrible as duke yeah but yeah like i think that was uh duke was one of the characters that really got the strip to be noticed by a lot of people because he's this larger than life just over the top ridiculous terrible character and he's basically just hunter thompson who i mean hell hunter s thompson was the inspiration for freaking spider jerusalem and transmetropolitan like he was almost a fictional character himself he was so i mean he was he 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 was his own fictional character to some extent yeah like he was around in god about what decade was that 60s 70s 80s that that sounds right yeah um respected journalist but also 90s he died yes um but yeah, and so, you know, you'd go from, like, this kind of uh, gentle character development as these boomer characters are aging to incisive political commentary to uh, Duke becoming the dictator of a banana republic as a get-rich-quick scheme. And, like, it would just bounce back and forth between all of these very different types of plot lines, and it would kind of work, and they would cross over. Like, Duke is Zonker's uncle i think yeah. which was how he was originally brought into the the strip and so you know he'd interact with the other characters none of whom knew quite what to to make of him and it just it creates this this larger universe um again to go back to questionable content kind of like how mostly that's just about a bunch of 20 somethings and their romantic escapades working at a coffee shop but also there's a lot of artificial intelligence and robots going on just like <laughs> that's part of that world uh so let's talk a little bit about politics and how Spray handles that Yes. Uh, for me, the place my brain goes is the way uh, prominent politicians have often been portrayed visually in the comic. Well, presidents always, I, I don't think Trump did, but because he, he had already been in the strip, but mm-hmm. presidents generally get a glyph. They don't get drawn as caricatures. They get, they get an object that represents them. So for instance, uh, George W. Bush was a point of light George or George H. W. Bush was a point of light. George W. Bush was a slightly smaller point of light in a cowboy hat. Uh, Bill and Clinton then later was, a, a Roman centurion helmet, which got right, more and more fucked up. Right, later a Roman centurion helmet. Um, Clinton, I believe, was a waffle. Uh, yes, yes, he was. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I Gingrich was a uh, was a unexploded bomb. I think. Oh, he um, was. It, yes, yeah, he was. He was like an old school Looney Tune style round bomb. Yeah, uh, and, and it came to it got to the point where like that could be a punchline itself, revealing you know what the visual for a given politician was. I remember there um, being a pretty big lead up to the reveal of Clinton. Uh, yes, in fact, I think um, readers had to like vote on that whether it was a waffle or something else. I forget what. I don't recall. Um, but uh, I did appreciate that you know Trump he'd been such a a shitty public figure for so long that yeah like you said he'd been in the trip uh, stri- the strip for ages, but uh, when he became um, president and with his handling of the pandemic and such, he was then drawn from then on still as himself but with blood dripping from his hands at all times. Which, oh damn! Yeah, like uh, never missed a panel. It's going hard. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, sometimes you would just see, like, actual political figures in the strip, and Trudeau was not subtle in his opinions of them. And, you know, he did 
he pokes fun at everybody, but he certainly re- uh, reserved like his his anger for the people that really fucked up or that were just you know genuinely bad people who having a genuinely uh, bad effect on the world. And sometimes this would be through strips that were portrayals of, of of politics and politicians, and sometimes it would be via via um, characters. So Mark had a radio show for a fair number of years, and so got to be a mouthpiece fairly often. And I remember remembering him yelling at you know, him him his um yeah guilty 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 about the watergate conspiracy conspirators uh that was one of the many events that got the strip pulled from various papers it was yeah yeah but you know that's fun like it's uh, trudeau makes no secret of his political leanings and as such like i'm completely fine with him just being like nope here's exactly what i think and if you disagree then well that's fine but this is what the strip is going to be I'm remembering right after the Freedom Fries debacle when he just wrote a Sunday strip entirely in French that ended with, with the phrase, just suis le jingoistic conquer monkey. Jingoistic conquer monkey! I'd forgotten about that delightful phrase. Yeah, you uh, know... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, there's another major character who kind of falls between the ongoing characters and the political stuff, but ends up more on the political side because he was created as a mascot and a stand-in for the cigarette industry. Mr. Butts, that Mr. that's Butts. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's just a uh, anthropomorphic cigarette, and um, a giant yeah, anthropomorphic was, cigarette. Uh, yes, who's uh, all about you know just promoting the tobacco industry, um, yet and being being kid friendly, and being kid friendly. Yeah, because of course you know cigarettes were marketed toward kids for a long time, and shit vaping like kind of still is. Yeah, and the um, joke, the original gag of Mister Butts, I think, was that the tobacco industry created him to to be a kinder, gentler face for kids. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and the handling of that was another thing that got Doonesbury cancelled in various papers. Like, I, I just respect it so much for the number of times it's been cancelled. On well, Wikipedia, and sometimes, there's this whole sometimes it was political stuff. Sometimes it was it was stuff like Andy coming out or Mark coming out. Um, I believe mm-hmm. Andy was the first openly gay character, and he actually ended up dying of AIDS. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, or Mark coming out, or um, Joni and Rick sleeping together before they were married right right that got the strip massively canceled apparently there was there was there were there were counter protests (laughs) Um, wow student counter protests this is how you know that something in pop culture has power yeah when it inspires like opinions that strong in both directions and one of one of the presidents that 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 trudeau just lampooned beautifully and continually and i'm, I'm thinking of this because again it's at the top of the stack of books i have it is in search of reagan's brain is of course ronald reagan uh yeah wasn't he shown as like a like a max headroom kind of character am i remembering that right i think i'm kind of blanking there's this whole there's this whole series of of um roland headley doing a safari style trip in search of reagan's brain though right like going through reagan's skull and stuff as i recall yeah yeah Oh, it's great. Oh, I, I love see. that you just have these to reference here. I should have brought my books up. Oh, they're downstairs. Speaking of politics, man, uh, remember Jimmy Thudpucker? Uh, the musician, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess... the, the, the young, clean-cut folk folk musician. Mm-hmm. Apparently in the animated special we haven't seen, they have two original songs which are attributed to him in it. Good. Yeah. Um, which, I yeah, and the repeated appearances of Thudpucker were, you know, Trudeau just sort of commenting on the changing state of the music industry right about having a (laughs) strip that lasts for decades um i do appreciate that as old as the strip is like trudeau hasn't really fallen into the damn kids today role that i would expect someone of his age and generation to do given that big of a mouthpiece 
No, if anything, he is he is consistently much meaner to the boomers who were his original characters. <laughs> I think he really is, yeah. No, he actually reminds me in a way of um, Jack Kirby and that he does seem to see youth as kind of like what's going to hopefully fix shit if anything can. It's a good thought, yeah. And and one of the things that we saw in like the last few years of the strip um, while there were still dailies was the kids having to deal with and kind of coming to terms with a lot of the messes that their parents had made and left and that were byproducts of just sort of incidental adventures and life choices and things over the years that had had interact with with major events or had had you know in some ways screwed something up mm-hmm. yeah uh alex dunesbury dealing with mm-hmm. you know her her two sets of parents and uh how they you know did not interact did not get along like well and so her much conservative tech industry dad yeah yeah because Mike, uh, Mike, Mike gets progressively more conservative over the course of the strip for a long time, and mm-hmm. that's something that gets challenged pretty consistently too. Yeah, but again, not in a like totally mocking his perspective or his daughter's perspective kind of way. Like you know, clearly Trudeau thinks that his daughter is right, but it actually gets to be a conversation and not just you know a uh, like a straw man kind of you know, mockery of the views Trudeau doesn't agree with. I'm trying to remember the presidential candidate. She was really, really gung-ho supporting in 2000. She's running flash mobs for him. Oh, uh, God, I don't remember. 2000, that was, that doesn't feel like a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I got nothing. Mm. But one thing I wanted to bring up here, so we've talked about Trudeau being outspoken with his politics and just Mm -hmm. not... Uh, allowing people to talk him out of having that be uh, a component of the strip, like people who would He's otherwise want to. He's also incredibly well informed and knows his way around Washington. Like this, the the TV show you were talking about is specifically about a group of freshman senators, mm-hmm. and this is a guy who can caricature and parody individual representatives and newscasters, and again knows the stuff that he's lampooning well enough to do it really, really incisively and pretty totally, yeah. No, he's, he's quite qualified, but not the qualification part, because you and I are not qualified in that regard, except outside of certain specific topics. But, you know, I've been thinking, like, we have certainly had that response from some listeners as well. Like, hey, why don't you just talk about X-Men? Why does it always have to be political? And, of course, the first answer is, well, it's freaking X-Men. Of course it's political. But, you know, All I kind of wonder... political. That too. But I also kind of wonder if some of that stubbornness is something that we got from having read so much Doonesbury. Just like, you know... I don't know, because Junesbury and X-Men are political in very, very different ways. I guess I just mean insisting on having our political perspectives be at least a part of what we talk about. You know, not, like, excising that, not hiding it, not letting it just be entertainment. I mean, I think reading Doonesbury as a kid definitely reinforced some of my sense of sort of the inseparability and, and general interwovenness of politics and life. But I, I don't think that, that it's particularly... I, I, I don't know if trying to think of how to put this i i don't think that that in that regard it's particularly informed my read on x-men because again they're they're so different in terms of their approach oh yeah yeah i'm just mainly talking about our pers- our uh the way we podcast you know mm-hmm. rather than the content itself but um yeah no it's it's definitely something that we've read enough of that it's i think it's just in our in our marrow at this point uh not oh, yeah. like sarah the morlock marrow but <laughs> yeah so 
okay, so if listeners were like, hey, I've been listening to this uh, this random unedited podcast episode of this show that I normally like, uh, and for some reason it's actually gotten me interested in this thing I've never read, where do I start? What do you think? I mean, what I would do, again, is go to a used bookstore or, or go online, find some of those little mass market paperbacks, dive in wherever you want. There are a couple bigger collections, but as I recall, they tend to be thematic and pull strips out of order. Um, you can also pay on on the website, I think through Universal Syndicate, um, to get access to the full archive, which honestly is worth doing if you want to actually read it. It's something, it's, it's super, super worth reading all of. And you'll also get a really good kind of contemporary narrative of current events and politics over again, the, you know, 60 or so years that the strip has run. Mm -hmm. And that is less intimidating than it might be because X-Men's been going on for even a little longer, but Doonesbury did not have spinoffs and the strips are like three panels as opposed to, uh, you know, monthly, uh, many, many, many panel issues. So Uh, four panels, The, the dailies are four. Ah, four, yes. So I'm not saying it's not a commitment because dear God, that would be a commitment, but like it's a smaller commitment than X-Men. It's also really fun and really, really like putting the book down because you're laughing too hard to hold it funny. Yeah, it is genuinely funny. And I realize as we're talking about like, you know, various Congress people related humor, you you might not think that, but legit, it's great, especially the Zonker stuff, especially if you're me as a kid or me right now for that matter. I mean, I I loved all of it. I loved the weirdness. I loved the specificity of it. I loved how much, I mean, then current events, but history was in there. Like, it felt like the comic strip equivalent of of listening through that this is the, um, this was the year that was. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like you could base a, uh, you could do a more engaging, um, like, high school history class using Doonesbury as a central reference, but... For some reason, I thought you were going to say tabletop RPG. A uh, Doonesbury tabletop RPG? Oh, that's like an entire different episode right there. What would you even... You know, I bet somebody's thought of that. The internet's a big place. And I think I think with that, I, I don't think we're going to get any higher than that, so we should probably wrap it up there. Thank you so much for listening. Um, again, thank you to to the awesome, awesome person who let us do this Hawk Talk. I want to say, too, when you sent in your episode request for this, like, I cheered a lot. I was so excited that we were going to get to do a Dinsbury episode. Oh, yeah. Like, you got in touch with me right after, and I was so excited, too. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Thank you, Andy. Uh, I hope other people other than the three of us uh, enjoyed this. I suspect at least a couple did. I but hope. you know what? Jeez. Even if it's the three of us, it's Hawk Talk. That's right. Ha! All right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with an actual, edited, researched, reasonably pre- professionally presented episode of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. Take care, all.